Welcome to this episode of the Are You Listening podcast brought to you by the good folks at New Amendment. Gio, it's been a crazy week on my side. How's everything been with you? Uh, you know, it's been good, man. Not a crazy week, but a crazy day for me. Uh, you know, uh, I got up at like eight this morning, went to a little breakfast meeting, uh, you know, trying to figure out some stuff for Night Society watch party at Olive Branch, uh, February 7th. So for all the Rutgers fans, make sure to get your tickets for that. going to be really fun. Um, you know, then I went straight to my training and then I had training basically the whole night. I just got back. It's 10 o'clock now. So it's been like a 13, 14 hour day for me, man. It's been, it's been a lot. How about you, bro? Grind doesn't stop. It's been a wild 48 hours with Rutgers basketball. Um, starting out, we went out to Iowa. We just got back this afternoon. We oh, were I forgot you were there with them. <laughs> you know, it was nuts. Uh, as you know, we charter out yeah. um, after the game concludes and, and Pikes and staff likes everything super efficient. Um, but just to rewind back before, bro, they had me out there playing in a manager's game, which was insane. <laughs> uh, they had Connor McCaffrey. Uh, they had all the, 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 the essentially the, the, the Iowa basketball team. Caitlin Clark was there yep. <laughs> uh, watching us play. And I'm thinking that I'm walking into a situation where we're just going to go up and down the court a couple times, get a couple buckets. It's not like riding a bike, bro. Nah. I feel like I got hit by a truck yeah. at the end of the day. Yep. Um, we came out with the dub, as you saw, on the last second shot, um, which was much needed. Like I and said, then, shout out to Seb. Yeah, said, shout out to Seb, man. And <laughs> Shout out to all the managers everywhere. Obviously, they do a lot for the programs, and sure. then ultimately they don't get any of the recognition. But these managers' games, they're intense because each yeah. of the the players basically take on the profile of the of the teams that they're a manager for. And I saw that out there. They were yeah. setting screens. They were shooting threes. They were pushing the pace, the pace and transition, Dude, um, which serious. was really, really cool to see. It was really serious. It gets serious. I've seen I've, – I've been to a couple of the manager games, and they have play calls, like – They'll be doing all that, moving without the ball. Like, everybody's talking on defense. And, like, man, you realize, though, quickly, like, you know, for me, I just stopped playing basketball. And even when I play pickup now with some of my, my kids for basketball training, it's like I, my body hurts, bro. Like, that, it really hurts. And it's crazy You're how quick. You're too young to be talking like No, that, I'll bro. tell you. I'll tell you. Like, <laughs> we'll, I'll play I'll play pickup with them one day, and then the rest of the week I'm done. I'm like, yo, y'all got it. Like, any one-on-one, they want me to, to jump back in. I'm like, listen, I already got mine in for the week. Like, I'm good. Nah, I feel you on that. It's been years for me, and I, and I got a regular job. So, bro, I got to think about – if the if, if the risk is worth the reward at the end of the day. But I got a couple buckets. I was proud with my output, but I, I did have a couple instances where I was just way too winded um, at yeah. the end of the day. But we get through the game. Obviously, we'll get into the the, the, the nitty-gritty of, of how everything transpired um, at Carver-Hawkeye Arena. Game concludes, and we're supposed to go right to the airport. Flight is delayed. We go back to the hotel. They're like, we're going to get you on a flight. We were supposed to take off at 7 p.m., Flight goes delayed till 11.30 p.m. We start making our way to the airport again at 11.30 p.m. We get to the airport, and they're like, mechanical issues. Plane's not coming. Go back to the hotel. You're going to go to sleep. Stay overnight. Everybody's scrambling to cancel classes and, you know, cancel work, things of that nature. They don't know when the flight's coming the next day. We got donors with us. We got the whole team. We got, you know, everybody from the media there, too. Um, so we're just stranded in East Iowa at this point. Um, we finally get a plane back er, uh, earlier this morning. We just landed this afternoon, but had to get this pot out for sure. We got a really exciting guest, uh, what we'll get into in a little bit, man. So really, really, really excited to jump into things. 
Yeah, man, me too. I'm excited too. We but it sounds like we both had a really long day, but you know, the show must go on. Absolutely, man. So let's jump right into the X's and O's. Uh, a couple of games to to quickly recap, starting off uh, with Rutgers versus Penn State. Mm. Um, obviously, I feel like that's the most natural and organic. Uh, rivalry that they're trying to build the Scarlet Knights with if they're looking for an opponent from a basketball and a football standpoint. There's a lot of history there even before Rutgers got over into the Big Ten Conference. Coming into this game, we we talked about it at length and previewed it. Um, I called it. What did you see from your perspective? And I'll let you know what I saw from um, you know from the sidelines. Man, I mean, it's, a, it's been a constant theme, but defense, defense, defense. I mean, you know, being able to hold Penn State to 45 and you know, you see what they do to Michigan the next game right after. So, you know, that's a that's a high-powered offense. They shoot a lot of threes. I thought all the guys were very locked in on their game plan. Um, you know, made it tough for Jalen Pickett. He still had 15 points, but that's just the type of player that he is. Um, you know, I was really impressed with Caleb's defense. Uh, but, you know, the biggest thing for me was, you know, the, the balance. Like, Ken Spencer's having a rough patch right now, and these guys still find a way to win by 20. It's like that's the leading scorer of your team, you know, the way he's been playing. And these guys still find a way to win by 20 points over a, a very good Penn State team. Like this is not a mediocre team at all. They're, they are going to be in the NCAA tournament. They are a very good basketball team. And the fact that you're able to hold them only 45 points, you know, just shows the theme that, that we've been seeing the whole year, which is defense. Yeah, man. And Pickett coming into this game, obviously he's a very seasoned and tenured player. Uh, he's played at multiple stops in his college career already. And Shrewsbury is obviously instilled a lot of confidence in him to go and be that lead guard that's necessary. And it's a guard's game when it comes down to NCAA tournament time. But they're the oldest team in college basketball, uh, in the history of college basketball, which is insane. Uh, I think Coach Pike was saying they have five 1,000-point scores um, that they've been able to bring together either through the transfer portal or just through recruiting, which is crucial. So you don't know if you, 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 you hone in on picket who else is going to step up, you know, in, in an instance and, and allow them to go to distance. And they were coming into this game with a, a 13 and six record overall and four and four in big, big 10 play. And obviously it's been up and down over the years for the Nittany Lions. So this is one of the more competitive teams that RU had to prepare for. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And and like you said, it, it is kind of like a budding rivalry. Uh, coach Shrewsbury is an amazing coach. He's a very good coach. He challenged them after the game too you know you saw that that interview where he basically called out the entire team calling them all soft um and again we saw the way they responded against michigan uh very good basketball team but just impressed with what what these guys were able to do to be able to get that win at home it's a very good basketball team you end up winning about 20 points yeah a team that puts up a ton of three-point opportunities they shoot almost 28 threes per game uh, which is insane and they make almost 40% of them. So guarding that line and making shooters drivers is imperative and what you need to do from a defensive standpoint. And obviously everything RU basketball starts on that end. And we'll look at this um, holistically going for the rest of the year. I can't believe we're already into February. March Madness is right around the corner. Big Ten tournament play is right around the corner. So we'll be able to talk about what are some of the consistent themes that have been helping RU to succeed and is going to help them to succeed continuous going forward. Um, but communication, defending the three-point line, and limiting Jalen Pickett, man. And I think that RU did a really good job with that. And, and you know, and, and talking about the themes and, and who Rutgers is, you know, overall, you look at the next game against Iowa, no communication, 
no three-point defense, and you see what happens, right? You can't you can't let an Iowa team score 93 points on you. Um, very hard to win against that team when they're scoring 93 points. And it comes back to, you know, the identity of this team, like making sure that you know who you are. Like, you're a great defensive team. Okay at offense at times, right? And that's been the theme for a while now, right? That's not just this team. It's been the same for, you know, past couple of years. And understand that like know who you are there can't be a there can't be a game especially when we're talking about march madness and and trying to advance it's one and done like there can't be a game where where you're asleep on defense the way they were you know no communication there was like multiple times where you could tell no one really know who had who and um you know just thinking about who you are as a team and your identity you got to make sure that doesn't happen again yeah we talk about the the matchups in college basketball and sometimes uh other programs just have your number yeah. and uh, yeah. Iowa has been um, a thorn in the side for RU basketball, but it's always been a competitive, um, you know, back and forth type of a rivalry. There was a lot, a lot of locker room and billboard material coming into this game. You had okay. Connor McCaffrey chirping about Dave Van Dyke and, you know, some of the stuff with, um, the, you know, what happened last year in the big 10 conference tournament. And then how coach McCaffrey thought that, you know, they did a really good job of, slicing up the the full court pressure and things of that nature so you know those are the things that really help to fuel the fire of, of athletes all in all but you got to have a lot of respect for an Iowa team that's able to go out there and you know put their money where their mouth is and, and back it up and um, you know some really good things from uh, from RU too it, it was really tough for them to get into a rhythm from beyond the three again so interested to see what do you do in order to break that funk you know are you just continuously to try to get shots up or are you you know, trying to change up your game plan and your approach, you know, in, in regards to what you're what you're what you're doing offensively. Um Paulie was diamond. I think he had thirteen assists overall. Um so you really like to see that. So you try to obviously extract the positives away from it and put it behind you because there's a much bigger goal on hand, you know, in, in between the lines of these two losses to the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah, I didn't realize he had thirteen assists. That's crazy. It was it was nuts. And it was <laughs> yeah, really it was slight too. It was real, crazy. real slight. Would not have thought that. No, nah, I mean, listen, you know, we can we can talk about it, you know, all day about how they can potentially change their offense. At the end of the day, they, they shot 50% from the floor, they shot 40% from three. You know, I think a lot of people were talking about Kev Spencer had a bad game. He shot 40% from the floor. Offense really wasn't the problem. They scored 83 points. I think for Cam individually, is right now what he's seeing, he's starting to, he's, he's getting to the top of that scouting report. Whereas before it was probably Paul, it was Cliff, it was Caleb. You know, you start to hit some of these big shots and these big moments, um, teams are going to adjust. So, you know, knowing who Cam is and and his mentality is now it's your turn. Now you have to adjust. And and these last couple of games, he's been forced into some really tough shots. He made, even against Iowa, he made a couple, but it's, you know, one leg faders and, you know, a couple of dribbles right before he was getting some catch and shoot threes. You know, teams are going to adjust to that. So, you know, for him personally, it's just it's just being better than the scout report. Maybe you got to move a little bit faster, use the screen a little bit better, get yourself open. Coach Pikes is probably going to drop some new plays for him to switch it up a little bit. Now the scout reports out on, you know, how he's getting his shots. Uh, so that's that's really the main thing, I think, with him. Uh, but overall, the offense was as good as it's been. That, that was I think that was their highest scoring game in big template this year. So, you know, not. Not too worried about the offense overall and definitely not worried about Cam. We've talked about him a bunch already on this podcast, but, you know, what he's able to do and his mentality, um, you know, he's already on to the next one. That's that's just who he is. 
So, you know, just making sure that he's trying to be better than the scouting report. I think they'll be fine. But again, it goes back to identity. Like, you're you're a great defensive team. You need to be that night in and night out. That is what that's what's going to carry you to potentially a Big Ten championship. That's what's going to carry you to that second week in the NCAA tournament. And you, the whole team needs to buy into that and realize that for these guys to succeed. For sure. And and one thing that I, I immediately jumped off the page was Iowa was a great shooting team, and they yeah. lead the Big Ten year over year in offense for a reason is their ability to stroke it from deep. They converted on six additional three pointers more than RU yesterday, um, but also shot 19 more free throws in total. Um, and that's just toughness, attacking the hip, getting into the paint, and finishing through contact. Has that been a consistent theme? You thinking back to your days of playing against Iowa um, over the years, that they've always yeah. been able to do do really good at getting to the stripe. Yeah, part of it too is that they they move so much off the ball. Like there was a lot of off ball fouls too, where it's just guys just cutting really hard. I think Caleb got called for a couple where he's just h- kind of holding on to his guy, gets caught hugging. Uh, these guys move really well with the ball and without the ball. So like it's constant movement, constant move. You get really tired, get lazy for a second. That's what kind of leads to that foul. And then I think for RU on the flip side is maybe they had 18 turnovers. I mean, you're not going to get to the foul line if you're throwing the ball away. You know, so that you know that's just a whole another situation going on. Um, you know, so that's, a, you know, part of the turnover game as well. But, yeah, I mean, Iowa is just a great offensive team every single year. They, you know, they come in and you got guys like Keegan Murray, Chris Murray. And, you know, really, it's not even any type of isolation basketball. Keegan Murray used to get all his points just, just rim running and just, <laughs> and just catch it and finish it, right? Like everything within the offense. And, you know, Chris is kind of doing the same thing. But they do a great job of just getting to their spots. And, and guys move really well without the ball. Uh, all that constant movement has obviously been like you said a thorn in our side for a couple of years now i you know we always struggled with the two and you know when i was on the team as well yeah and a really good job of handling the pressure again and and you had somebody from iowa who obviously you try to account for coming in from a statistical standpoint to be at their season average last game peyton sanford went above and beyond and and yeah. and really had a good offensive game i think it was a Eulis uh, this time around that really got them into the flow of things offensively when some of their main focal points from a scoring standpoint weren't able to get things going early on. Um, and then one thing that was really cool to see from the sidelines was Patrick McCaffrey coming back into the game, standing ovation, obviously dealing with a lot of stuff off the court. Have you you have a relationship with him? And what did you think of that situation? We're cool. We're cool. Um, you know, haven't talked to him too much this year. Uh, we, we follow each other on Twitter and stuff like that. And obviously we competed against each other a couple of times, uh, you know, but really happy just to see him back on the court and, you know, big respect to him too. It's, it's not easy as, as a student athlete with the bright lights on you to kind of just come out and say, look, I'm, I'm not okay right now. I need it. I need to step back for a second. Um, you know, so a lot of respect for him. I was really happy to see him on the court. I wasn't too happy when he hit three threes on us, that, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, just always good to see a guy back on the floor playing confidently, having fun out there. Like he was celebrating on every shot. You know, that's that's uh, that's bigger than basketball. You know, what I mean, that's, you know, real, real happy to see that. Yeah, he, he had instant offensive uh, impact ultimately yeah. for them coming in after not playing uh, in many games and to be able to be perfect from beyond the arc three of three uh, from Trey Ball knocking down some really deep ones. Obviously, he's another added dimension and another weapon that they have to stretch the floor. Um, but yeah, to your point, man, the the mental aspect of college athletes or just athletics all around is something I think that's been undermined for many, many years. So big respect 
for him for being vulnerable enough to be able to bring that to the forefront, take the time needed to get back to the place mentally that he feels uh, he needed to be to come out and, and, and play at his best each and every night and go at his own pace. Um, and obviously after a loss, you are wrapped up in the emotions of what you could have done better. We were sitting on a bus. I look over. You can, you're sitting in a tunnel at Carver Hawkeye Arena and you can still see in to their weight room. Who else? Patrick McCaffrey's there after the game, you know, lifting, getting, you know, getting, getting some extra work in and make sure that he's probably where he needs to be tippy top shape because conference play and tournament plays right around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, uh, that's big time, man. Not a lot of guys are, are willing to do that too, to put in that extra work. So, so the type of guy that he is, type of character that he has and, and the mentality that he has too, to continue to prepare himself for what's coming next. For sure, man. For sure. Um, so a couple of really big games coming up. We're going to get over into, you know, looking at what RU has been doing. Obviously, there's going outliers in every season from a defensive standpoint. Last game against Iowa is one of them. But the defense is something that travels. I know that's something that Steve Peichel always says and something that they're going to rely upon going forward. And with the season shrinking and some winnable games, obviously, on the radar this upcoming week, uh, against Michigan, I would like to kind of take a step back and look ahead to the rest of the year and, and sink our teeth in what RU has been doing so well um, from a defensive standpoint. All right, so now we're going to get into the scouting report of things, and RU basketball has been dominating uh, on the defensive side of the equation. Quincy, have you been, first and foremost, really happy to have you join us. appreciate you taking some time out. Um, and There's a lot for us to get to, but... Um, have you been keeping up with RU basketball this year, more specifically on a defensive end? What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I've been keeping up. Um, I've been watching some of the games that's been on TV. Um, I think defensively, they just got a chemistry. You know, they playing real good, and then they got the force. Um, uh, you know, Cliff, the rim protector, so, you know, he cleans up a lot of things that, you know, I wish I had a guy like that when I played at Rutgers. <laughs> that definitely helps out with transition, and um, you know, um, Pike was doing a great job, you know, since he's been there, just, you know, um, emphasizing defense and, you know, defense win games. So they've been, um, you know, uh, sticking to that philosophy and, and the guys been playing really well and, you know, playing good defense. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Guys Q. are connected. Q, how, yeah. how, how was your defense as a player? <laughs> I, 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 heard, I heard all the stories about the shooting. I never heard yeah. none of the stories about the my, defense. My so. defense wasn't good, but um, <laughs> I had, my coach, Gary Waters, he, he emphasized yeah. defense, and he told me, hey, if you could focus a little more on defense, when you go out there, you got the green light. So once he told yeah. me that, that's that's when my defense actually picked up. And, that's you know, that's going to get you to play. I was like, yeah, yeah, because I really wanted to be on the floor. So – Right. You know, um, growing up in uh, New York, uh, defense was really wasn't really emphasized because I was such a great offensive player. And you know, um, it's not a lot of teams that's good. You got like probably six teams in the league that's good. So every other team, you're not really playing defense; it's all offense. So when I got to college, that changed real really quickly because I didn't play right away. A lot of people don't notice. They think when I first got the Rutgers, you know, I, I got a spot, I had a position. No, nah, I wasn't playing defense, and they said, hey, we know you can score. you showing us in practice, but you got to play defense because this yeah. is college, and we need everybody in sync. So, yeah, once sure. they told me that, I bought into it, and, you know, my defense definitely, you know, picked up, and, you know, I did I did good. You know, I, I averaged about, especially my last year, I averaged close to two steals a game. So, That's you know, um, yeah. 
That's a that's a great message too de- to all the all the high school players, man. Like, yeah, for sure. My defense wasn't as good as yours, but you know I had. I, had, I wasn't that great either. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, I, I watched. You, like really. you know you, you yeah, had good yeah. Cheek, yeah. So I had yeah, a lot of help though. Good, a lot man. of help though too. Like, yeah, oh, man, yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah, that. But, yeah, man, that's a good message, though, for all the high school players, though, is, like, college and high school is very different in that sense where Absolutely. if you don't play defense, like, they're, it doesn't matter how good of a scorer you are, you are not going to play. That's just the way college basketball goes, you know. Yeah, so, you know, every, any high school players listening right now, make sure to really take that to heart. Absolutely, man. And I think that, obviously, you, you've developed relationships with Caleb McConnell and you've seen Cliff Amore and his ability to rim protect this year for for RU and any good team is the sum of all of its individual parts. Um, and RU is very, very successful when they're holding teams below 65 points and below. Talk about how difficult that is at this level when you bump up to the tippy top tier of Division One college basketball. Especially in the Big Ten, you know, you got powerhouse that offensively like juggernauts they got guys at all positions that could score so it's really hard you know that's why everybody got to be in sync and you know every night you know some if one or two people is you know it's a it's a step or half a step slow that slows down the defense and you know that's when other teams just creep up on you and you know take advantage of that you know so Especially in the big time, like I said, it's, it's it's not an easy. That's that's major Division One basketball. So if you're not 100 percent on top of it, you know any little mistakes, you know they're gonna take advantage of it because that's the level of offensive players they have in this in this league. So you know it comes it comes with it. You know it comes with um, playing at that level for sure. And then you got to be in, in incredible shape, being able to protect your elbows, be gap strong, communicate. Um, switch off on people. And one thing that I've noticed from Rutgers is how they have so many different pieces that can switch off and, pl- and guard multiple positions. Right, have you right. ever played on a team that had, you know, that type of personnel from a matchup standpoint? Um, and how far do you think Rutgers can go, you know, leveraging, you know, what their strong suit has been on the defensive side of the equation? I've never been on teams like that. Um because it's, I feel it's an advantage if, you know, you have multiple guys that could guard multiple positions because um, you can switch. But, you know, a lot of teams I played on, the coach is like, hey, no switching, fight through the picks. You know, so <laughs> a lot of times, especially me being a, a slim guy, it's hard to skinny up on those, um, on those strains. So, you know, <laughs> it, it just opens so much opportunities, especially in the pick and roll. So um, that that's an advantage when you got guys that could, you know, guard multiple guys because you can just switch. And with the length that Rutgers have, you know, they have that ability. And, you know, especially when Gio was there, you know, Gio could switch, you know, um, being being the height and, you know, the strength that you have. So that helps out a lot. It makes the game, you know, a lot easier defensively where, you know, guys don't have to really fight through screens. You can just switch and they're strong enough to hold those bigger guys and, you know, and the, the the big guys are quick enough to stay with the guard. So, you know, I know I I I wish I could have had the opportunity to play. You know, with um with a team like that. But you know, even mm-hmm. as a professional, I never got a chance to play with you know where we could switch. And it was always, hey, you got to fight over the screen or go under the screen, communicate. Um, you got a blue as in like push them away from the screen and stuff like that. A lot of um strategies to yeah. 
not to switch, you know, so. And, and Big Ten is some big-ass screens, yo. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> you got right. Zach Eady. You got Hunter Dickinson, Trace Jackson Davis. Right. I mean, those are some big-ass screens, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's physical, crazy. man, for sure. Um, and we were talking about before you got on, they just uh, – RU just played and lost uh, at Iowa yeah, um, yeah. for the second time this season. And one of the biggest differentials was uh, the free the, – the foul the foul difference. Um <laughs> Iowa shot 19 more free throws than RU did in that game. Talk about the preparation mentally, life on the road when you're going into a hostile environment and how all your preparation from a scout standpoint needs to be ramped up, you know, two to three times um, even more. Yeah, for, for me, how I approached it is um, I was I was a gym rat. I was always in the gym um, just fine-tuning, making sure I had my touch. But um, with, 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 with that preparation going into the games, I didn't pay attention. My focus was more on my routine, as in like mm-hmm. when, I, when I shot, I always had to remind myself, bend my knee. So I'm always was talking to myself in the game. So when, when, when you that focus and the crowd is like yelling at you and I, don't, I, I didn't hear it, to be honest. You know, so I actually, if you look at my, my stats, I actually played better on the road than I did at home. Because mm-hmm. I, I knew I knew I had to bring that type of focus because, you know, at Rutgers, you got the fans, you know, patting you in the back and they cheering for you. So, you know, you're going to get that support mm-hmm. away. You know, you, you're not going to get that support. So your your um concentration and your preparation got to be that much, you know, um prepared. You got to be that much prepared. So I always went into the game just prepared. You know, I, I always I was a big guy on watching film. So I would have um. CDs and, and game field brought to my hotel room and I would utilize that time just to, you know, see how they would guard me. And, Cause I had a lot of um, pressure and I had a lot of um, responsibility as a junior mm-hmm. on the team. So I just took it, I took it serious. I knew, um, you know, I wanted to have a good year and, you know, I wanted to make sure I was productive every game because the team needed me. We, we, we didn't have that much offensive you know, threats. So I was basically the one, two, and three options. So I was just ultimately prepared. I made sure I stayed out to practice and I would come early and I get my shots. Um some games before we flew to to the to to the road games, I would have them wake me up seven in the morning. The coaches thought I was crazy, but I was like, this worked for me in high school. I know it's gonna work for me here. So I, I wanna keep, you know, I wanna keep it up. So they will come pick me up seven in the morning. And I'll get about five to seven hundred shots before you know I go yeah. eat breakfast and then get ready. So it, I I I feel it's all about preparation, just being prepared and um, understanding the um, the goal and not paying attention to the outside noise. You gotta just have that laser focus. What was uh What was your favorite place to play at? I would say than, um, Syracuse because I, I was a big fan of um, Syracuse growing up. Um, yeah. Uh, they they came into the recruiting um scene late, you know after you know I already committed to to Rutgers. Um, you know my prep school coach was trying to get me to do another year prep, and he like you can open up, but I was like, no, nah, I committed to Rutgers. You know they gave me an opportunity. This is yeah. where I, I'm gonna go. So um, you know just growing up watching um games at the Carrier Dome, how historic and you know Jim Beheim is a Hall of Fame. He was like a respected coach, so. I always, you know, 
perform well in the carrier dome, man. That was something. And that's back when, when Syracuse was also humming. They were clicking on all cylinders. So that's yeah. Syracuse. The Syracuse. That's they what they were. Syracuse. Yeah. Syracuse. They, 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 were, they were a beast back then. You know, they, yeah. um, they still a good team. But back then, they were, you know, they were always ranked in the top five, top ten. So um, it, it was never easy, especially during that zone. When they play in that zone, they were full court press. But for me being a shooter and how I prepared, I loved the zones. I knew how to attack zones. I knew how to get my shots. And, you know, um, their zone is like closer to the three-point line. I had a really, you know, I had range. So I used to pull from real deep. And, you know, I had some real success against them um, at their home court. You know, I I broke the scoring record over there. That's that's the perfect segue, I would say, into – our, our word on campus seg- uh, segment, I want to get into a little bit more about some of the things that uh, you were able to achieve um, while at RU and obviously a kid that grew up um, in Coney Island, Brooklyn. You talked about how that influenced, um, you know, your upbringing and how you approached basketball at the end of the day. Um, before we get into that Syracuse, uh, that game, which was nuts, I remember watching that. Um, what was some of the decision and the thought process in in regards to, you know, why you ultimately decided to go from Brooklyn to RU, and what other schools were you considering? Um, I, I, I had a I had a decent amount of school. I had um, St. John's. I had Senior Hall. I had um, mm-hmm. you know some low division ones, Hofstra. I had Siena, Iona, um, Mississippi State. That's that's a few that come to, to my mind. I, I had some um, when they saw me playing prep school because after my, you know, time was up at high school in New York, Grady, I went to St. Thomas More, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. So when they saw that I could play against those level players, they allowed it. I already committed to Rutgers before I got there. So after I got um, re-seen by bigger schools, they wanted me to, you know, reclass again. And my coach spoke to me and I was like, nah, you know, I, I did a fifth year and I'm ready to go to college. So um, the, the reason why I, I chose Rutgers because yeah, um, on top of that it was an all boys school. So and then I'm away from home. So I was like, yeah, I'm ready to go to college. I'm ready to start <laughs> this thing. Yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah, when when um when I took my visit to Rutgers, uh, I saw how big the campus was. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I saw it was an opportunity that I could go there and, and, and earn minutes. And, you know, at the time, Rutgers, it was hard for Rutgers to get played. So one thing that stuck in my mind, I was like, I know they can't recruit over me. Where if I go to a bigger school, it's McDonald's All-Americans coming every mm-hmm. year. So, you know, even if you do good, the McDonald's All-American come. A lot of times I see guys just lose their minutes. So... I knew that it was going to be a, a perfect opportunity for me to, to grow and have longevity and not worry about – I knew if I showed that I could play, that I wasn't going to lose my spot and it was going to be nobody come to replace me. So that was one of the things that went into it. I, I seen how strong academic, academically Rutgers, you know, was ranked and respected. So I knew that, you know, that would have been good for me too to get a degree there. So – and yeah, then, you it's know, it's I'm a, a full picture that you got to consider. Listen. Obviously, not only the academics, the athletics, but also the proximity. Being able to jump back home, that, see that, fam, see that's friends, other thing things I was like that. Say. Right, right, right off the Arizona Bridge is about forty-five minute drive. So I knew that I would, um, you know, have my parents come and my family and 
friends come. And whenever I feel like going home, it was 45 minutes away so I could go back home and handle what I needed to handle, go see family. And, you know, that, that played a lot into it as well. So Yeah, what was the state of the program? Day one on campus, you you signed your NIL, uh, NLI, my bad. We've been talking NIL a bunch here on this, on this <laughs> yeah. podcast a lot, so we get those interchanged. Right. Um, you get on campus, obviously it's not the Jersey Mike's Arena, it was the rack back then. How was the, the facilities? How was the team overall? What was the morale like? What was the culture like, you know, when you actually first arrived your first freshman day? In Piscataway. Uh, to be honest, the, the facilities compared to any other universities I took trip to wasn't compared to the other universities. But like I said, I wasn't looking at the university for that. I was looking at it for more, you know, what fits me. Mm-hmm. But um, compared to now, like, it's they have state-of-the-art. It's, like, beautiful. Like, so that's definitely going to help with recruiting because especially with um, kids' parents coming on campus, they know that, you know, the kid has somewhere to train and you know, take it serious. And then they got they got somewhere to have a study hall. When I went to Rutgers, it was just a wreck. And like, sometimes I would want to train and they would have graduation. I would, And I wouldn't even know, I'd be walking with my ball, I'd go to the gym and the chairs are set up. And I'm like, <laughs> so then I'll call the coach, they're like, all right, we gonna get you a court on one of the- um, Other campuses, other like campuses. one of the students yeah, so. Yeah. I would go to the court to work out and all the students were big fans of mine. So they would literally come on the court and like, let's play horse. Like, and just be talking about the game. I couldn't get, a, I would have to just go back to New York and get, get workouts there. So when it came to that, especially in the off season, it was hard to, it was hard to get some good work in like, you know, individually to, you know, get better. So, you know, I could continue to, you know, add to the, to the, to the university. It's, for it's sure, man. Q. It was a, it was the the same for for my first couple of years too. All right, right, yeah. Right. It, it can't. All we it had can't was the right. for you, yeah. So yeah, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Air conditioning when we was there, bro. It was <laughs> nuts. Yeah, we used yeah. to go. In, we used to go in there and, and like number one, we had to break into the rack. There was like one door that was a little loose, so we would like we would right. shake it open, break in there, and then uh, we get in there, and the, the the cheerleading and the dance team would be in there already. Right, like right. Yeah. Yeah, we got to wait for them to finish practicing before we can even get on the court. But they used to just have people randomly shooting in there, bro. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. They would just man. have random students what? able to access uh, a, div- a high Division One basketball team's facilities, yeah. which Yo, I think I, that I, says a lot. I remember that as well. At one point, there was a. Uh, there was just like random people in there, and a security guard would keep like a list of like the players' guests, and like the security <laughs> guard would go up to you and see you shooting on one end, and the random people on the other end. And the random people would just give you the puppy dog eyes, like, please say I'm your guest. Like, <laughs> and it's like, you get put in this crazy position because, oh, like, man. I don't know this dude, but, like, yeah, sure, just let him rock. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't want to spoil his fun. That's crazy, man. Yeah, that's Obviously, you had, to, you had to not only put in a lot of work, but you had to go above and beyond to be able to take advantage of not the greatest situation from a facility standpoint, obviously, considering where it is today, right. but the last. Rucker Scarlet basketball Scarlet Knights basketball player to get drafted in the first round in the 2006 NBA draft by the Sacramento Kings. Was that your mindset coming into RU that you had the ability to come in, take care of business, and ultimately you know fulfill your dreams of playing in the NBA for for many years? No, I'm not. I'm not even gonna lie to you. Like I was a late bloomer. Um, I only played my junior and senior year. Then I went to prep school. Um, you know, my parents, they, they wasn't born in America. They they moved to America in, you know, the late 1970. They from Haiti. So, you know, my parents was always just 
education. They didn't really support the basketball. They was like, you know, coming from where they come, they didn't understand how it worked in America. But they knew that America had opportunity, like if you get your education. So my parents was focused on like, hey, get your education. Like the basketball is good, but we want the education. So I I, I literally played basketball because, you know, growing up in my area, a lot of kids were going to jail and getting killed. You know, my best friend who I grew up with, we was together every day. He wound up, you know, getting caught doing something and doing five years. And he was calling me from jail. You know, um, you know, every every few months, let me know what's going on in there. So it was kind of like a scared straight moment. Like, absolutely, I yeah. see where I'm gonna end up if I don't get my act together. And you know, going up in Coney Island, you know, guys like Stephon Marbury, Sebastian Telfair, Chris Taft, some guys made it out. You know, made it to college. So in my head, I was like, I right, I gotta find out what they did, and then I gotta do it, and you know, try to make something of myself because. My parents was talking about education, but we don't they don't have money to send me to college. So mm-hmm. I knew that I had to I, I had to grow up fast, you know what I'm saying? And my parents worked every day, so my parents wasn't around. You know, my parents, um, I didn't live in the projects or nothing, but I lived in a townhouse surrounded by projects. And my parents took a mortgage on it. So my parents was was, hey, we not gonna depend on nobody, we gonna work. You guys, you know, we gonna give you um Leadership, we gonna give you advice, but we gotta make sure we pay these bills so we don't live on the streets. So we okay. was basically raising ourselves like while my parents was at yeah. work. They would be in work from from the morning to like eight at night. So for after school, it was my decision. Was I gonna be productive or was I gonna end up like my friend? And I decided, hey, let me work on my game. Like I'm already good. Guys in the neighborhood telling me I'm good. So I, I continue to just go to the gym and work on my game. And it, it became therapeutic to the point where I just loved it. Like whenever I had issues, I just go to the gym and just clear my mind. So I heard that. I, let me put I, I, let me put some let me put some figures around that specifically in regards to some of the things that you were doing. You were all Big East selection throughout your career. You had a game. You had a year where you averaged twenty five point four points per game, scored over 1,690 points um, in total, which is sixth all-time in Rutgers basketball history. Um, you came in and, and dropped 35 points in an NIT game your your freshman season. So obviously you came in, you know, looking to kill and, and take advantage of the opportunity. Um, and then you, you were mentioning earlier one of the most memorable games in all of RU basketball history nine three-pointers at the Carrier Dome against a really good Syracuse team. And if you know, if you play at, at Syracuse, that depth perception, playing yeah. indoors in a dome is something crazy. Right, right, yeah. But, um, yeah, um, like, like I was saying, like, I so with, 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 with my background, I didn't go into it thinking I'm going to the NBA or was I doing it to go to the NBA. I was doing it because this is something I love and – you know, I, I, it was open to opportunities where I could get an education and, you know, make it out of, you know, where, where I'm from, which which was it was it was low key hell where I was from. man. it, it wasn't a good environment. And, you know, I wanted to make, you know, better for myself and my family, which I was able to do, you know, um, because I stuck to, you know, what what got me there. I just, you know, ended up getting drafted and. 
you know, getting opportunities that, you know, I wasn't really preparing it. I wasn't preparing for it because I didn't feel this is something like it's going to happen to me. But because of my work ethic, everything just literally fell, in, fell into my lap and, you know, it opened doors and I was able to buy my parents a house, you know, move them out of the environment, pay for my little brother who my, my other family members wasn't in the sport, you know, so I was able to get him into prep school, get him into college and, you know, help my family out, which, you know, is the ultimate thing, you know, ultimate happiness that, that everything, you know, worked out. Well, and fast forward to when, you know, you, you did get drafted. Uh, maybe if you could just talk a little bit about like what your thought process was through all of that and, and you know, just just how that went for you overall. Um, you know, maybe just because not a lot of people really know how the NBA draft process goes and, and, you know, how you get scouted in those pre-draft workouts and all that. Like, what was that whole process like for you? Yeah, um, this is how it went. Literally, um, you know, after my season, I had a lot of agents contacting, you know, um, my high school coach. And, you know, my high school coach was connecting them to my parents. And they were saying, you know, he had such a great year. We, we feel he he's a potential first-round pick. And I remember fighting it like, nah, I'm going to stay my last year. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Like, you know, because like I said, I didn't prepare. So, you know, I spoke with my parents and my parents, you know, was like, hey, it's, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And, you know, I spoke with my high school coach and, you know, we got other feedback. So, you know, I decided like, I, right, I'm going to put my name in the draft. And it wasn't like how it is now, you know, um, where... If you don't sign with an agent, you could you could come back. It wasn't like that. If you put your name in the draft, your name is in the draft, whether you have an agent or not. You know what I'm saying? So, right, damn. you know, I fought it a little bit and I decided like, hey, my bad, y'all. I, I had to put the AC on. It's a little hot in my, my house. <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, I, I decided right, I'm going to put my name in the draft. I signed with an agent and then he set up about 19 workouts individual with, you know, um, NBA teams. And my first two workouts, because I was so nervous, I didn't do too well. I remember calling him after the Knicks workout, my second workout, and I was like, yo, I think I made a mistake. Like, why y'all told me I, I, I should have stayed at Rutgers? And he was like, yo, calm down, man. You're freaking out. Like, you know, uh, all your workouts is not going to be good. You got 19, so now you know what they expect in the routine because they pretty much all do the same things, just tweak the little things like with the shooting drill. Yeah. But the conditioning is pretty much all the same thing. So as I got to like my my full fifth workout, I was so like prepared at that point that I just killed all my workouts. I wouldn't miss a shot. Like the reason why work is drafting me because I I I um Pedro Stoyakovic's workout, I outdid his workout, which they said he missed about five shots. I missed about two shots the whole workout. So they 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 really um saw the potential after that. So and, and they they were like um my 17th workout. So I was like towards the end of my workout. So I was that much confident and that much prepared. So it, 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 the, it, I'm not going to lie. It's tough because they match you against other guys in the draft. Like, I got matched up against um, Brandon Roy, um, J.J. Reddick, uh, Kyle Lowry, Rajon Rondo, you know, and 
in the beginning, it was tough. You know, you like, oh, man, like, these are some – because I didn't get to play against Rajon Rondo and um, Brandon Roy. So when I match up a, l- a little t- – sometimes you kind of like, hey, am I as good as these guys? You know, then when you right. start keeping up with them, you see them in the next workout, it's like, all right, I'm going at you. Yeah. You know, so no, nah, that's really cool. It, yeah, it's it's it, it was all mental. I'm not gonna lie, it was all mental. Once I got the mental together, the the workouts, you know, after a while, it's 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 easy. So that's that's how it pretty much you know um happened for me. Um, that's and for my workout, I remember I had a workout with the Suns. Um, Dan Tony was the coach at the time, and it was so hot in the gym, like something was wrong <laughs> with the AC. So I remember we was working out. It was so hot, I threw up everywhere. And they uh, Dan Tony was like, it's all right. Uh, we seen enough already. You don't have to work out. I said, nah, I'm good. I wiped my mouth up and I went back on the court. Like, nah, I'm going to finish it. You know, these, these are stuff that, you know, um, NBA teams want to see. They want to see your yeah. heart. They want to see if you're going to fight through it or if you're going to give up, you know? A lot of people want to go stick around or undrafted is when they go to these workouts, they don't think it's important. They like, my, co- my college resume speak for itself. So they go into the workouts like, half-assing it and these people that's gonna invest all this money in you is watching you like nah i'm not gonna take a chance you know and that's why a lot of guys that you like why they ain't get drafted why they because you know i've seen some guys do that in the in the, in the draft and I, I mean in the workouts and i was like how you not taking this serious and then those guys wind up going to the second round and i was like yeah. oh i i'm I, I understand it now you know so yeah so, well, so we uh, we ahead. put out uh, a call to the people, RU Nation, uh, with a couple of questions that uh, what they would like to ask you um, as we conclude and we kind of wind out here. We're going to run through a couple of topics and a couple of questions that people came back to us with feedback. And if you could give us your one word answers in regards to what you feel or what you think about each of these types of questions, um, we're going to run through them. And then I want to get to some of the other stuff towards the end of this this conversation about what you've been doing recently and the really exciting news that came out today. Um, so one of the questions that came in um, was, would you wear the same NBA draft day suit that you chose back in 2006 in retrospect? I, I actually didn't go to the, to the draft physically um, because it was like a little – it was like a little situation where, you know, my mom's trying to invite the whole family and it was just like, all right, let's just have it somewhere else because I don't want to get everybody upset. So we wound mm-hmm. up having that at my high school coach house and I didn't wear a suit. I just wore a white tee, some jeans, and we watching on TV with my agent there talking to, um, you know, GMs and presidents of the team and seeing where we go going to draft. So I, I didn't get to wear a suit, but if I could do it over, I would, I would definitely have gone and um, wore a suit and get the shake. David Stern hand. Heard that. Favorite basketball shoe of all time? I, w- I would say Jordan's. Um, Jordan 11's. Th- those are my favorite shoes to play with. That's that's what I played with in high school all the time. Those are classics. First big cop when you signed your contract after RU? My parents' house. That's the first thing I got. Was um, I bought them a house in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, which, you know, they still live in to this day. So, yeah, that's that's the first big purchase I made. LeBron or Jordan? People people gonna be upset with me, but I'm gonna go with LeBron, man. <laughs> I agree with LeBron. you wholeheartedly. Oh, right you might to you might have to explain that one nah. just a little I bit. Love, I love nah, Jordan, nah, 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 nah. you know, and I love you know his shoes and what he did for the NBA. But LeBron is a different animal. I played against LeBron and 
you know, just seeing him and understanding the game to the level I'm understanding that, like this this guy is man, he's he's a freak of nature. You can't compare it. As in, hey, as in like being being two hundred and sixty pound and moving like a guard. Like when I was on the mm-hmm. call with him, it was like a train coming at you going hundred miles per hour. Like you Yo, go kid. get hurt guarding that, like. You know, Dude, we got so, the we got the producers in the chat saying that we got to cut the feed because you wilding right now. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I knew I knew they wasn't gonna fill it, but you know I'm just I'm hey. just being honest. From how I, I agree with you, bro. I, I got hey. your back on that one. You can't you can't end your career leading a, every major statistical category and not be in an argument at least being the greatest of all time. And championships right, right. are a team Absolutely. a team statistic. So miss me with all that other stuff. Um, favorite pizza in NYC. Uh, it was a um, pizza store on Coney Island. I forgot the name of it, but they it, it was owned by some Italians, and it was it was really good. We went there all the time after school. Favorite RU player to watch over the years? I would say Gio Baker. Man, that was my guy, man. That's right. Oh man, yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, you, I that guy pretty good, bro. Man, I was I, I was a big that. fan of yours, man. You know, I I, 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 I didn't that. say much. You know, I'm real low key, but. I appreciate, you know, the, the the energy. You know, you had some unfortunate injuries, which, you know, comes with the game. But when you was out there, you gave you gave it your best. And, you know, I enjoyed watching you play for sure. I appreciate that a lot. And I appreciate, you know, we obviously, we obviously had our conversations through the years, too. And I always appreciated the advice that you yeah. gave me, man, because I needed it for real. So I appreciate that for real. Yeah, for sure, man. Love, man. Toughest player you ever matched up with one-on-one in the Big East or – in the NBA, for that matter, just in your career, I, I would say um, Ben Gordon, man. I, I know you guys heard of Ben Gordon from UConn. Yo, he was a beast of God. Yeah, he he yeah. jumped so high on his jump shot, very athletic and strong. He's mm-hmm. like he's like a pit bull, man. He's tough. So yeah, yeah he, he was, was a, hooping at the Nyack uh, a couple years ago. He still had it. Him and Emeka Okafor. Yeah, like yeah, he, he never he's stopped different. playing. He's he's a different dude, man. So I believe you that he still got it right now, but. Yeah, he, him in college, and I would say um, in, in the NBA, Monte Ellis, you know, he had that really quick first step like, and very athletic. So it, he was very deceptive. He was hard to read, like, his steps and his moves. So I would say them too. Love that, man. And then to conclude and to seg- segue over into the kind of the final thought here, Coach Pico and staff announced the knighthood, which they introduced to obviously bridge the gap between all the different generations of RU basketball, bringing people back um, who've played for different cultures. Have you had mentioned it and play for Coach Pico, might have played for Mike Rice or Freddie Hill or Gary Waters in your instance, in your case. But one of the things that's been really cool um, is to see that despite the fact that you've been able to reach the highest levels of of college and professional basketball, achieving the goal of being able to get your degree was something that was top of mind. Um, Talk about the news that came out today and um, you being able to, you know, work behind the scenes towards getting your, your your degree and what that means to you. It means a lot to me, man. I'm 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 so happy that I was able to accomplish that, especially where I, where I came from in life. You know, um, it was a real struggle. You know, I it, it wasn't easy. Um, I had a lot of ups and downs, but you know, even though I you know made it as a professional athlete, I always had it in my head I wanted to get my degree and you know finish it because you know I I, I left. My junior year, I only had that one year to finish up. So every time I would come and visit, Randy would always be in my ear. You know, Randy, <laughs> yeah, since I was 
She's like, when Shout you go finish your degree, when you go finish your degree, when I see my mother, when you go finish your degree, I'm like, um, I'm kind of busy. You know, I got a, I got a few businesses. I got a family now. So then, um, you know, I finally spoke to Randy. I'm like, all right, Randy, I feel I'm, I'm ready. Especially when COVID happened, I just took about two to three classes every semester because it was not going on. So it was the perfect opportunity to just, you know, take as much classes as possible. So I did that and that was the last year. Um, um, 2019 was the last year I played pro. When COVID happened, I was not gonna go overseas. Some guys still went overseas and, you know, they was calling me, telling me like, hey, we're not playing no games. They don't know what's going on. I'm like, nah, let me stay here and just focus on family and finishing my degree. So. Yeah, um, I'm 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 really happy that I was able to 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 get it done, and you know now I feel accomplished as a player and you know a, a, a academic student. That's what's up, bro. And talking to, like you said it earlier too, like even with the NBA workouts, like not half-assing it, finishing, yeah. and you know just like all that together, like it translated from basketball to to real life. You know the fact that you're able to do that. I'm I just I just left school, and if someone told me to go back to school right now, I'd be like. Hell no. Like, I'm good. You know what I mean? So the fact you was able to do that, like, is right. is really impressive for real, bro. Like, a lot of respect for you for that. Appreciate that. It was tough. I'm not going to lie. I felt like giving up a couple times because the reading, the materials, I had to tough, make man. sure my kids were asleep. And then 11, 12 in the morning, I'm reading, like, five articles. Like, yeah. so, you know, it wasn't easy. But I'm happy. Like I said, I'm happy I got it done. And I feel like a weight lifted off my shoulder. Now, you know, I'm going to just – um continue to live life and just be an example, you know? It, it, it's, I, I like that I, I put it on my post. A lot of my people from my neighborhood, you know, is seeing that and, you know, I want to show, I want them to see that, you know, um, people from the neighborhood is, you know, doing good and making yeah. the right decisions and, you know, getting the education. So it's real deal. Nah, it's real special, bro. For real. Yeah. Thank you. I saw some stuff, man. We appreciate you coming on tonight. Obviously, um, you got a million other things going on in, in the life of coaching and obviously entrepreneurial endeavors and keeping up with RU basketball. I know you're going to continue uh, moving an upward trajectory and we'll see you coaching at the college ranks at some point. Um, but we'll love to have you back, obviously, going forward in the future, man. And one last word on your outlook for the RU basketball season. Where do you think this team ends up in the grand scheme of things with the NCAA tournament right around the corner? I feel they 100% going to make the NCAA tournament. We probably go finish in the top five in the, um, in the Big Ten. So, you know, um, they just got to clean up some stuff. Like I said, um, it's not going to be perfect every game, but, you know, Pike was doing a good job. Um, I'm learning a lot from him watching him with his patience because, you know, like, like you said, you just uh, finished playing. I just literally finished playing a couple years ago as well, so – when I'm coaching these kids, you know, I'm a high school coach now. When I'm coaching these kids, sometimes I'm, like, getting so frustrated, you know. And Pico is doing a good job, and I'm learning. Like I said, I'm learning from him with his patience. And, you know, he's doing a good job keeping everybody together, keeping their spirits high and their confidence high. So I feel they're going to um, continue to be successful. To, to, he's taking the program to levels that it never reached, you know. So he's, he's doing a good job, and I feel they're going to continue to have success and get to the tournament and, you know, take another step, try to um, get get past the first round, get past the second yeah. round. Let's let's try to make it to the third round and right. you know, build on that for the next season. So, Heard you. Heard you. Gio, any, any final thoughts? Nah, man, you know, just really appreciate you having on. I feel like 
you know, you gave some great words. I can tell you're a great role model for, you know, the kids you're coaching in high school. I'm doing the same thing right now with basketball training. So I'm going through the, the same exact thing as you, man. We're, we're trying to be patient with these kids. But, you know, everything you're doing, man, is, is for real inspiring. Like, I, I just have fun just listening to, to you know, everything that you, that you were doing and what you're doing now, too. So I appreciate you. Yeah, no, thank you. Appreciate you, too, man. Sure. Couldn't agree more. A phenomenal insight. Appreciate you being on. And we appreciate everybody tuning in on the ep- next episode of the Are You Listening podcast. We'll be sure to dive into how RU did against Minnesota in a big game right on the horizon against Michigan State University at Madison Square Garden. Um, so thank you all. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.